Hello, we thank God for another wonderful opportunity. I'm Pastor Smith from Lake Galilee Baptist Church. We're continuing in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians in chapter 1. And let's begin again in verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Here we find the Apostle Paul as he writes under the inspiration of God, and we know that he's serving in the office as an apostle. We, we also know that there are no more apostles. We talked about that on yesterday, and we looked at verses declaring why. And we also know that those who were gifted to serve as an apostle were gifted to serve all manner of sickness. And so whoever wants to call themselves an apostle today, I say to them, let's go. Let's go to the hospital. Let's go to the children's hospital. Let's go to the cancer ward and let's help people if you're really an apostle. And I shared the example of the one who called himself an apostle and then he found himself in intensive care for 30 days. And after he got out of intensive care, he dropped the apostle title. Well, we talked about that and we looked at the individuals that God has chosen and selected to, to serve in that capacity. Well, let's go further in verse 1. He says, my name is Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And he says, I'm doing what I'm doing when I do it by the will of God. And beloved, may you and I say the same thing. No one calls themselves. We do that which we do when we do it because God has so anointed, because God has so called, because God has planted the assignment, God has given the gift. No one calls themselves to the ministry, and mother cannot call her son to the ministry, irregardless of how wonderful she feels he is, or how he looks, or how well he speaks, etc., etc., we do that which we do in the kingdom of God by the will of God. God grants the calling. God gives the gifts. Even those who have the ministry of music, God deposit the gift within the individual that they may do that which they do to bring God glory, not bring oneself glory. And so may we be mindful of that, that may the point or the passion be not to do what I do when I do it to glorify my name, but may it honor the King of kings and the Lord of lords in whom I live and move and have my being. That is important. That is necessary. That is vital. And so we see here in verse 1, what a, what a verse. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. He says, I'm writing to the saints, which happen to be at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Note the distinction. He says, I'm writing to the saints and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. We know that all believers who have accepted Jesus Christ, and the only way we can do that is by believing two things concerning Jesus. Number one, to believe who he is, that he's God. Number two, to believe what he has done, that he died on the old rugged cross, and he was placed into the burial, into the grave, and rose again from the dead, and then to personally invite Jesus to come into my heart and save my soul. Mother's salvation is good for mother, but I need to know him for myself. I need to call upon him for myself. And then, at that very moment, we become born again. We become redeemed. We become 
saved. We become the children of God. And after salvation, it's the will of God that you and I would grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so it's interesting here in verse 1, Paul says, I'm writing to the saints, which means I'm writing to all Christians. I'm writing to all believers. But then he goes further and says, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. The great challenge, the, the great shame uh, of our churches is that all the believers are not faithful. Some believers are just Sunday morning Christians. And then after the benediction and preacher, you better not preach too long. Complain about being in church too long. But when you go to the club, they have to throw you out. What a shame, but I love the Lord. Everybody loves the Lord verbally. The Lord says, my heart will reveal and my life will reveal and my speech will reveal how much I really love the Lord. There's such a thing as carnal Christians. Carnal Christians, we see it in 1 Corinthians, particularly chapter 3. Carnal Christians are saved indeed. We know that. But the worldly haven't let go of this world, still hanging tight to the world instead of holding tight to the word of God, which is the will of God and the way of God concerning how he wants us to live, how he wants us to think, how he wants us to behave, how he wants us to treat one another, how he wants us to behave, how he wants us to run our homes, etc., etc., etc. The word of God, the word of God over Three, over 30,000 verses speak to us, speak to us perpetually because the word of God is inexhaustible. We never graduate, no matter how many credentials, no matter how long we've studied the text. We're talking about the mind of God and God. He has given us his spirit at the moment of salvation. God in the person of the Holy Spirit dwells the believer. We believe in one God who eternally exists in three persons, God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit, they're co-equal, they're co-eternal. And we receive the Spirit of God at the moment of accepting Jesus Christ, Ephesians 1.13. And he has a service to render in our lives. One of the things he wants to do is to teach us the Bible. Teach us the Bible so that we may not necessarily be intellectually intelligent or theologically intelligent, but we want to learn the Word of God so that we may know how to live, point number one. Point number one, as we consider that great verse, 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved unto God. We study the Bible to learn how to live. We study the Bible to learn how to lay down this world. We study the Bible to learn how to become overcomers of the sin which easily beset me. We study the Bible to learn how to do battle with our ancient foe, the devil. And so it's interesting to denote as we consider there, verse 1, Paul, as he writes under the inspiration of God in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, he says, My name is Paul. I'm serving as an apostle of Jesus Christ, and I'm doing this by the will of God. I didn't call myself. And he says, I'm writing to the saints, which happened to be at Ephesus. And then it says, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Beloved, may it be true of you and I that when God call us something, may he call us faithful. That when God call us something, may he not just call us children. May he not just call us saved and call us redeemed and blood washed. But may he call us people who are spiritual minded, 
people who are godly, people who are God-fearing, people who are faithful unto the Lord. And we live as though we are faithful. We behave as though we are faithful. We think as though we are faithful. We speak as though we are faithful. And we do those things that faithful Christians do. And we do not those things that faithful Christians would not do. What a statement. What a statement because this also speaks to us as we think about prophecy or eschatology. The faithful shall receive the crowns as we think about the judgment seat of Christ. And one day God and I, we're going to meet face to face and God is going to pull up the screen, if you will, concerning my life and every idle word and every idle deed and the meditation of my heart. God and I, we're going to talk about it at the Bema, the judgment seat of Christ. And because of being faithful, God wants to give a crown. And there are four to be handed out. And we thank God for heaven. Just great just to go to heaven and then to imagine when we see him because of obedience, he wants to give us a crown. But the crown will be given to the faithful as we see him. Not only that, beloved, as we think about the faithful, the faithful of oh, uh, speaking of those who walk with God, who have a, a propensity to listen to the Lord and follow the Lord. Here on planet Earth, the faithful will know the peace of God which surpass all understanding. The faithful will know the joy of the Lord which is our strength. The faithful will experience answer to prayer. The faithful, God is able uh, to dispatch his angels to set watch over and to preserve and protect as we think of Psalm 91. What is better than walking with the Lord? What is better, beloved, than relationship with the owner of this vast universe? What is better? He has demonstrated that he loves us. That great verse, John three sixteen. God so loved the world that he gave. His only begotten son, the whosoever believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He has demonstrated that he loves us as he stretched his arms wide and permitted himself to become pierced in the side and nailed to the cross. And as we think of Psalm 22, the sufferings of Jesus, he suffered physically. His, his body was, uh, was ripped. His body was torn. His body was aching, and yet he endured the agony and the shame and the ridicule of the cross. Why? Because he had me on his mind. If you don't mind, uh, I like to make it personal. He had me on his mind. He knew that Jimmy needed a savior. Jimmy knew, needed a redeemer, but he also had you on his mind. He had the entire world on his mind that Jesus so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He would suffer physically. He would suffer emotionally as he was ridiculed, as he was saddened for the first time in eternity to become separated from his heavenly father. And he was, and he, and he, and he suffered spiritually as he would take upon himself the sins of the world. And he became a sacrifice uh, for you and for me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He deserves our allegiance. He deserves our praise. He deserves that we would die to self. 
God can do more with us, with me, than I can do with myself. The one who spoke the world into existence. The one who hung the globe on nothing and told it to stay there. The one who is the owner of the mighty sun. The one who tells the winds and the waves where to go and how fierce to show up. What a mighty God we serve. And so uh, what a text here. What a text. And to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Well, how do we become faithful? Note the text. I want to cross-reference at this point. Here we are in the book of James. James and chapter 1. James chapter 1. How do we become the faithful? We think we're doing something because we show up on Sunday. We, we should show up. He's worthy of our presence. He has given us his presence since birth. <laughs> He's worthy, beloved, of our presence. Uh, we said, well, Lord, you better be glad I came to church. Can you imagine folk thinking like that? We better be glad that God said, get up this morning. Get up, talk, feel, see, hear, walk, swallow, etc., etc. We come not to be seen. We come not to be heard. We come with great humility of spirit and heart and to worship to worship the Lord, to worship the King, to worship the Master, to worship the Sustainer, to worship the Owner of my every breath, let alone my every move. So we come to magnify his name, to adore him. And so how can I become faithful? Note the text. Well, I want you to see this. Here we are in James, James and chapter 1. Let's consider verse 21. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he behold himself and goeth his way and immediately forget what manner of man he was. For whoso look unto the perfect law of liberty and continue, continue, continue therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer, of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Note the period. The very thing I want, the very thing I'm praying for, the very thing I'm asking the Lord for, Lord, would you bless me? He already has. And the Lord says, I could bless you better when you're obedient. I can bless you more completely when you walk with me. When you're sincere, when your life has a passion for holiness, not perfect, not in this flesh, we know that. When you confess your sin by word and thought and deed and get back in fellowship with me and walk with me, the Lord says, I'm able to bless you more richly. And so much of my blessing is up to me. 
Am I willing to surrender? Am I willing to die to self? Some of the problems we have right now, individually, collectively, in our families, in our homes, in our marriages, in our brotherhood, in our sisterhood, in our churches, is because of sin. It's because of walking away from the word of God, not walking to it. God is a keeper. He's a healer. He's a deliverer. He's a sustainer. But we have to do things according to his will. His will is his word. So often you hear people say, well, the way I feel about it, Lord never asked me. He said, follow me. Or people will say, well, well, if it were me, your life is messed up. Now you're telling somebody else how to mess up their life. Or we'll say, in my opinion, the Lord never asked me my opinion. He said two words, follow me, follow me, follow me. That's the plan. Let's drive it home. Note Psalm, Psalm 1. The thing to do is to love Jesus, not just to say I love the Lord or sing I love the Lord. Who can't do that? But may my life speak for me. May my life speak for me. What does your life reveal? The mouth will lie, but my feet will tell the truth. Note the text here. It is in Psalm, Psalm 1. Blessed, happy is the man that walk not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law do he meditate day and night. Why? And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he do shall prosper. Note that. Because of obedience, because of consecration, because of sanctification, because of righteousness, because of holiness. Not perfection again, no, not in this flesh, but we can do better if we allow the word of God to change our thinking, change our mind, grant us illumination, insight, wisdom, that is divine. If we would walk with the Lord, not just for two hours in church, and sometimes don't even complete the two hours in church, you find fighting in the house of God. Note there again, verse three, and his delight, that's verse two, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law do he meditate day and night, verse three, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he do shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the shaft which the wind drive away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth, we're not fooling God, you know, because we say amen and praise of the Lord every now and then, you know, because we have the correct jargon, because we sound uh, the part, but we're not the part.
That's the reality of this. Christianity is to be lived. Christianity is to be experienced. Getting the Bible off the page and doing our best just to walk with the Lord. Out of the sincerity of our heart. And we get stronger with time. But there has to be commitment. That's it. That's the word. There has to be commitment. Not just on Sunday for a few minutes. But may it become a practice and a way of life. Note there verse 6. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous. And the way of the ungodly shall perish. And so it makes sense now when we come to Ephesians. Ephesians and chapter 1 and verse 1. The latter portion of verse 1. Note again the verse says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Says, I'm writing to the saints which are at Ephesus. And I'm writing to the faithful. In Christ Jesus. I didn't want to run past that. I didn't want to chase past that. To zoom past that. That is the issue. Why the Christian church is weak. Why the individual is weak. There's a loss of commitment. A loss of relationship. We love everything more than God. We love everything else more than we love the Lord. And to say, I love you, Lord, is a slogan, is the right thing to say. Can't you hear the Lord saying, yeah, right. You don't love me. You love your phone. You love your recreation. You love your sin. Because that's where you spend your time. You love Facebook. Because that's the first thing you do. You don't even say thank you, Lord, for another day's journey. Can't you hear the Lord say, you take me for granted. I'm someone you pick up when there's a problem. And could it be that the Lord permitted the problem To bring us back to him. Help us, Lord. Help us to realize who the real God is. Amen. I thank you.